This is the Patriot Cause with Bud Cornwell, United States Marine Corps retired. It's the Patriot Cause with Gunnery Sergeant Bud Cornwell. Welcome back, Patriots. It's a great day in America. We're sitting here with our family together celebrating one of the greatest holidays in America, Thanksgiving. However, what we want to do today is shift a little bit from this holiday and talk about some deep psychology issues related to what's happening in America today. So we got a big show. It's really talking about opening up Pandora's box. You know, what are the things that are related to you? Why are you doing the things that you do? Why should we be doing things differently? And how can we improve our lives and improve the community and the people that are around us? So it's real simple. You got to lead, you got to follow, or you get the hell out of the way. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. Got a special guest with me today. It's my son, Michael. He is here. Very educated individual related to the sociology world. Also familiar with intelligence because when he was in the Marine Corps, he was part of the intelligence community. So he has a lot of knowledge when it relates to things that we don't know or things that we're not privy to relationship as it is towards the intelligence world. But I'm going to leave the big discussion to my son. With that, I'm going to pass it to my son. That's great to be here. Awesome. It's <laughs> nice to have you. It's a great, it's a great day to, to do this. It's a very wonderful day to do this. Yeah, it's amazing outside. Um, I guess a little background about myself. Uh, you know, that's usually kind of a good idea to put, put things into context. Uh, and then, you know, moving on. And I've done a lot of stuff in my life. I'm the kind of person that um, kind of, I guess you could say, run full speed down random paths, it seems like. And, I've, and as a result, I've seen and done a lot of stuff that when I when I tell people about it, then it starts to dawn on me what those things were. But it's not really, when you're, when you're moving forward, you don't see those things. It doesn't look like that. So uh, I was in the Marine Corps, like he was saying. Uh, I accidentally walked into the intelligence community because it sounded smart like literally that's what the decision was sure i'll do it and he was able to actually pass the test to get into the intelligence (laughs) field which by the way is a feat for lots of people as it is anyway so well it's funny because uh i on the asvab i did better than 60 percent of females in automotive oh wow well i guess that's a that's a good clue right there so that that tells you how uh how the ASVAB works. They, they, they show you what your strengths are. And mine is not automotive as we were trying to figure out the air filter or something on the, the gator out there. Well, there's always a place for people with a mechanical mind compared to a intelligent mind. Cause sometimes mechanics is not its intelligence. It's more based on, did it work? Did we put it together? Yeah. Right. Did we start it right? Well, I think that's, that's actually a relevant point. So, you know, Joined the Marine Corps, was going to be a pilot, uh, left left that for, uh, you could say, philosophical reasons. I then was deployed to Afghanistan in 2009 as a political uh, and economic intelligence cell, which at 23 years old was given an ungodly amount of global influence. Um, so learned a lot about that, to say the least. Came back, uh, read Atlas Shrugged which it's, you can imagine coming back from Afghanistan, doing a lot of kind of interesting things. And then now I'm going to go read a crazy book like that. Uh, Meanwhile, at the same time, uh, finished my degree, which originally was in geology, but I switched it to graduate on time to sociology. And within that year of taking sociology, man, has it prepared me for 
every imaginable discussion since then. Um, you know, moving forward, uh, continue to be in the intelligence community, still in this intelligence community today, uh, and spent a good bit of time, moved over into software rather than doing analysis. Uh, and I've done a million other things. Started a business, um, did that for three years. It's like that was the exclusive thing that I did. Learned a lot. Uh, did a ton of research. Um, I, I do research all the time on plants and growing apples. And for a very long time, I don't know, six or seven years, I started my, I don't know if it's a very long time, but a long time I was really into that to the point where people, I was starting to gain like recognition as like this Southeast apple expert. Um, so that's kind of like a random smattering of the, the, the random things that I've done. There's a lot more, but those are kind of some really big points. But one of the things that, you know, to this particular podcast, one of the things I'm become very innately uh, aware of is what people say and what people predict isn't necessarily what actually happens. Okay. And okay. so we think we know we, use, especially as you know, males are much more likely to do this. They use like this left brain thinking. They use logic as a tool of going like, okay, well, this is what I've done in the past. This is how these things physically work. Let me figure them out. And then this must be what the future is. And it just, things don't work like that. Um, in fact, you know, I've grown apples in Southeast Louisiana when everybody said that it could not be done. And I've got plenty of them growing at, on, on my farm down there now. Nobody could predict that. I mean, I predict it because it's obviously, uh, obviously true that plants can grow in all sorts of places. But which ones? Who knows? So it goes to um, just before the podcast, you were talking about um, getting off the couch. Oh yeah, and like absolutely. going and doing things. You know, doing, getting outside of your box. You know, getting outside of your world and kind of realizing, you know things have got to change or I got to change or kind of, kind of face reality instead of just being a lemming and just accepting things that are around you and maybe kind of more get more involved in, uh, you know, what we would consider uh, the world that we live in compared to the world that we think we live in more of a yeah. psychological idea of what I'm taught or the, what I was raised with all these things that come into you may be a foundation of who you are, but how, how does, how do we break free to, to see the world in different angles and see a bigger picture or maybe kind of step back yeah. and see the, you know, what the true reality is instead of things that are flowing from different media outlets or different ways into our lives. You know, how do we get to that point? This is a very complex <laughs> answer. And, uh, you know, you know, to gain an appreciation of this, this has been a discussion that goes back to the, the like ancient Greeks. Oh yeah. Of okay, well, what do you know, and how do you know it? Uh, you know, how is it that you've become that you've gotten these things that you might know or believe? Um, well, I did, I did read a few books. You know, is that does that qualify what, what how you know? You know, because I read a book. No. Okay. I, well, it depends. I mean, if that's the bar that you want to live your life of, no, then it is. But for other people, it's just not. It's not even close. And for me, what has been so compelling is doing things like like reading books and then going and doing, and then the opposite happens. And you're like, okay, I don't, you know, I don't know anymore. And then you can go down like the rabbit hole of like uh, whatever's real is whatever I imagine it and like living it. It goes way, way crazy. But however, one of the things that is innately different, though, so you read a book, you'll look at something, and it might make sense. But when you go do something, that's when things start to get really, really interesting. I don't know what it is. Even if it proves whatever you've heard, it just is, it's a completely different experience when it is your experience. So perfect example. There is a... Um, I have no idea what his net worth is. My guess is a 500 millionaire, something like that. And that may be at the peak. And then now he's maybe at 10 million or something like this, but he's a YouTube, uh, like a YouTube star. And he's gaining like this, you know, at one point he used to be more famous, but then he stopped and now he came back. And it's this guy, Dan Pena. So he has this castle seminar out in, um, uh, you know, the UK and all this kind of stuff. And he's trying to train people how to be, um, 
grow geometrically. That's his thing. So I set up a meeting with him just because I just want to ask him a bunch of random questions. Um, and, uh, but before, before I even mention that he says in one of his things, like how you go about getting money and he makes this wild claim. It seems wild and kind of the way he's saying that it's like, there's all this money out there. You just got to go get it. So I just decided to go to a bank and do relationship uh, banking. Just I just tried one bank, just one bank, and I set up a, a, a an appointment with them, and I just sat down and I pitched them the business I was working on. Now he then told me that they don't do uh, startups, and then he you I can't really explain it very well, but his mannerisms were like pre-programmed to look at me and like he was taking notes. And he's like very serious, like he's making sure he's getting all the details, but. I was watching him and I kind of stopped and uh, he's like, how much money do you need? I'm like, I'm not here to get any money. <laughs> and he, his entire disposition changed. All of a sudden he like kicked up his feet and all this. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm here to like get to know you and this kind of stuff, which they call relationship banking. And he started getting on this huge tangent about lamenting that nobody does relationship banking anymore. I'm like, I'm looking at a person who's like, he's like sad that nobody's romanced him in many, many years to get oh, wow. money. But the point is, is that I just literally listened to what he did. I just went and did it. And while I didn't get money, I have no doubts that I could get money and that it is true. But just that going and doing something like that, why would you ever do that? You probably should do that. You probably should just go meet these people and just get to know them. Even if you just introduce yourself. Right. So uh, developing a relationship in anything that you do, especially if you have you know, a vision of where you want to go, getting out there and actually talking to people, having discussions, puts you in the experience, puts you into a place that you are not going to get where you're just reading a oh, book yeah. or, you know, having some fire, fire chat with your family or whatever. You got to go to the, the people that have the knowledge and the sources to understand how you make that relationship yeah. so you can connect with that source instead of just you know, following, you know, some well, textbook way of giving an example, you know, in the younger days when this big real estate, my younger days, the big real estate booms that were happening, you had all these commercials and all these books that were written, how to become a millionaire in real estate. And, you know, so you had all these people that were, I call them fly by night, you know, reading all this knowledge and signing up and paying, you know, the hundreds yeah. of dollars and all that for this kit on how to uh, become a billionaire with the real estate that's the opposite i think of what we're talking here it's more about going out there with the people seeing and being part of the organization or being part of that process instead of just you know well, accepting a, a book but you might need the book and you might need the kit as your very first thing to find out Okay, I, I don't know how I'm gonna make money in real estate when I'm buying a book. Okay. You're only gonna make real you're only gonna make money in real estate when you're making money in real estate. Exactly. But it's one of those things like, okay, again, how do you get off the couch? You you might have to do that kind of stuff. You might literally have to blow money in time. Oh yeah. I I don't know if there is any shortcut other than you gotta take the, the, the little baby steps and you walk down the path. But what ends up happening is, you know, obviously once you gain more experience, you can still steer it better and you can you you know develop your vision a little bit you kind of narrow down it and you got to make so many mistakes preferably not the ones that kill you but you make so many mistakes that you can start to steer it in a direction and eventually you get to the point where you know first of all you won't even there won't even be anybody who is pitching you to buy their real estate book because you're you're in a direction in which that's not coming to you and even if it did you're, you're kind of shoving it out of the way with, with ease. It's not until you take those steps forward. And you won't actually even know that until you've already gone down the path. So how does this relate as far as action and, and performing and, and creating an environment where you're going to get some type of return on your efforts mm. related to this opening the Pandora box concept? I think it's all vision. I, it's, it's, I've heard, uh, you know, now I'm just repeating other people's words, but it really meshes with like what I've seen, um, like how to make decisions and stuff like that. I heard this billionaire who ran jet.com and 
somebody asked him what um what do you do as a CEO? Like what is like what's your job as a CEO? What do you actually do? He says I do three things and only three things. I raise money forever. That's all I do is go and try to get money for the projects. I deal with people, so it's like people focused. And he is the carrier of the vision. That's it. He literally does nothing else. And the reason why he does nothing else is because those three things, at least in, in like growth businesses, they require all your time. And the vision is in there in particular because nobody can carry the vision quite like the person who has the vision. Gotcha. And so you could potentially drop all of those. But once you start developing a vision, you have to craft it more and more and more. And as you do that, other stuff fall out of the vision. Right. It's like it's a it seems like it's a never ending cycle of crafting that thing, getting it more and more concise so that you can hand it over to people. Well, a lot of people get agitated, you know, they they get riled up inside themselves about an issue. And you can pick whatever that issue is. How do you get past the riled upness and then develop this vision into some structural way where I, you know, basically I'm not going out there and just ramping, you know, and and griping and complaining about things. I'm actually yeah. moving towards accomplishing something. It would appear to me that it's at least a two-step process. You first of all have to do anything. Okay. Just get any, off, just get off the couch. Literally go do yep. and anything in relation to that that may move that thing forward. It could be, uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, they, they mentioned going straight to like a senator or representative. Hey, think about the experience you have that you would gain by setting up that appointment and getting that appointment. Right. Think about the person that you become once that happens that, oh, I, first of all, again, one of the things with this opening Pandora's box when you look back at these things, you have a particular kind of view of it that's different when you first go through it because you don't know where it's going to go. And I have found as a person who spends way too much time preparing for these things, I go into it and I just throw my notes out every single time. Just go. Because oh, wow. when I talk to them, I, I can't predict what they're going to say. Right. I can only predict what I think they're going to say. Well, they're not me. So how could they possibly say? But everybody does that. How could you possibly know what they're going to tell you? Unless you've preceded. So long story short, you don't know what will happen. And as a result of that, you will actually be built after doing that. And then you can go do it again. Imagine how comfortable you will be doing it a second time. You definitely won't be taking it nearly as seriously in the sense of, you know, trying to get your notes right and all this, try to get your questions. No way. You do it five more times, you might as well be a politician at that point. I mean, that's that's the nature of those things. You may find, though... It's not worth your time and you got nothing out of it. So you have to craft something else and you got to figure out another path. And the only way that you would do that and you would sustain on that is developing that vision. You have to continually understand more and more where are you going and what do you want? If you don't know what that is, literally you will never get there. You can't know it because even as simple as trying to compel other people to help you do that, they don't know what you're trying to say. So you have to, you got to keep going down that path in order to be able to articulate it easy enough to people. It's just all you got to walk. You, there's no shortcuts right. as far as I can tell. There's zero. Well, the other thing about having experience is when you do these things and you grab that experience and you, uh, life lessons, whether it's having a discussion with a banker or the first time you rode a bike, you fell down a couple of times, you got back up and you learned it, you know, you turned the steering wheel one way or direction. If you don't take that back yeah. and build on it, then it's like a waste of time. This it's is true. It's, it's not, you're not really absorbing what you're doing. You're just kind of going out there going, Hey, I got this plan. I got this things that are going on. And I look at it this way, just like Michael's saying, you could actually do this with a blank sheet of paper before you go into it. You can not predict or not drive sure. it, but instead go in the opposite direction. Say, I'm going to go into this with a full open mind yeah. to just listen and absorb and then make my adjustment to understand what the vision is. And to that point, I mean, man, you said something very profound there. I mean, about 
the notion of listening and becoming open, I think that's part of what I'm saying is like when I go in there, I'm blown away with what the other person is saying. And we're like, okay, I'm just going to kind of put this to the side. This is, these are small points now. And now I'm dealing with what they're dealing with. And oftentimes, like you'll understand the problem better when you see maybe from another person's perspective, you know, talking about like a politician, they probably do know about whatever the issue is, but then they're going to tell you like their view of it. And you may not be ready for that, that statement. But it's good that you got it anyways, because then now you can move forward with that. You can take that and incorporate it and change. You know, you, you might take that in and like, OK, well, really what I should be doing instead of going this way, change it a little bit and need to go in that direction. You will only ever know that when you walk through it. You can never know that beforehand. Never. Gotcha. Absolutely. So, you know, experiences is, is it, it can come in different forms, but it doesn't matter if you don't learn from it, if you don't absorb what, you know, what this, uh, the lessons or the situation taught you. And to this, I would, uh, I think there's a million different ways of perspective that somebody can have on things. And I think one of the things to guard against is, um, negative emotions when you don't get something that you necessarily want out of it, because you might learn all the wrong lessons and you, you learn nothing of use. So you might learn, uh, you might have the feeling of uh, hopelessness. And then so you're like, well, this is totally hopeless. And then you basically, that's where the story stops. That's where it ends. Then you go and you talk to other people. And instead of pushing more towards the vision, because every one of these visions, <laughs> after driving visions, they're never easy. You got to go through a million brick walls and you have to go through the brick walls, all of them. That's just, that's just the way that it is. And so you hit these and you got to keep going through them. But if, if you hit it and then you think it's hopeless, you'll then find yourself going and telling people the story is, uh, you know, we need to figure out another way to get around this or something like that. You'll think, oh, it can't be done. It's not possible. But it's so crazy to look at, again, look at reality, look at things that have happened. I've seen in the space that I'm at, the, the defense contracting world, they're they're so because they're so close to the government they're so fear centric that they they have a hard time taking any steps forward on anything and uh, you know i remarked to somebody the other day you know we're trying to get the software through that it just in the grand scheme of things just means nothing and i told them we invaded iraq and killed a million people with 60 percent of the known information that's what the generals themselves said they, they have to make decisions in uncertain environments all the time. And they usually wait. There's like, you know, you ask each one of them. And I think, um, what's his name? Um, Schwarzkopf? No, the other one. Mattis? No, 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 no. Back in, uh, he was more uh, like 92 that I'm thinking of. Powell. Powell. Mm -hmm. He was saying that it's like his comfort zone is like 60%. So he'll, he won't make a decision until he has like 60% of the information. Other people, it's like 75. But you'll notice they never say greater than 75. Because for one, the cost and the time to get that is just too long. So they get enough information, and then they go and do that. So they, they launched a war with 60% information. The 60%, the 40% may have been invalidate all the previous stuff. But they still did made that decision anyways. And they learned a lot. They walked through it, and they found things on the other side. It's not a great example, but it, it, it shows you that uh, getting to 100% of certainty, first of all, will never happen, but it's not until you step forward do you actually find out what the other things are, and you can't do that unless you step forward. So having an a intelligence background and, and being trained for the, in the Marine Corps in the intelligence field, you're able to comprehend the information that comes to you and you're collecting and turn that into some kind of strategic view or vision yeah. for the people that are leading it. So what I'm asking is how can we as individuals use the same concept? Now we're Ooh. not intelligence people, yeah. but how do we use this ability or develop an ability to absorb information, determine or filter out what's relevant towards our vision and, and, and kind of, I guess what I want to say is how yeah. do you make things more relevant or, or, or detailed 
and take the, take the big information and, and to dwindle it down to the usable information that you have so that you can move forward? Uh, about a year ago, I read it. You know, I left Marine Corps Intelligence, I think, in 2012. No, 2010. Act, like, actively left in 2010. And up until that point, I had never read the Marine Corps. It's not the War Fighting Manual. That's a that's a fabulous book too. Um, but I never read. It's it's like on a book on communications. And I read this in the last year on a plane flight. And it was a it was a whoever wrote it was it was a brilliant read. And the way it worked was, it explained from probably ten different. Well, it didn't explain. It told a story of a I, I guess a mythical situation where. 10 different commanders were commanding their different parts of a battle that were going on. There was like all the way in the rear. There was the guys in the front and there was all this uncertainty with like weather and comms and all this kind of stuff. And there was a, there was a a set of statements in there that were so profound that I'm like, I needed to know this when I was an intelligence person and it should be beaten into everybody's head, but it's really for everybody especially when you're communicating with somebody else, it is what does so what mean? Like, what does it really mean to so what? And the most of what they had in there was uh, they had an intelligence guy giving a presentation to, I think it was the general. And I know it was the full bird colonel because, you know, full bird colonels are, they're in the action, so to say. They're a little bit in the rear, but they're not all the way in the rear doing strategy. They're like, they're organizing the things to, to kind of go. And so... The intelligence guy was giving a weather presentation. He was like, you know, it's cloudy outside. It's raining. You can't see anything. You know, it's because the clouds are out. You can't see anything. You know, it's, you know, it's totally, you know, no illumination. And the colonel stopped him. He's like, I got that. I could just walk out the tent and see that it's raining. What does that mean? He's all I care about is can I fly my helicopters? That's where you're supposed to be briefing me on the weather. Can my helicopters fly? And why this is relevant is when you're communicating to a person, to include yourself, what are you going to do with that information? What are you going to do with it? If you, I I promise you, me and you both, if we spent more time taking, okay, what are we going to take with that? What are we really saying here? We might quickly go, we're just saying the same thing we said yesterday. We're saying the same thing we said last week. That's it. It's like there is no other thing. We're, you, you can even take it down to the psychological component, which is the one I like. I think is actually the most effective. How is that making you feel? That is the big one. Well, it makes me feel uh, m- with less hope or I feel more emboldened. If you know that, you don't, you don't need those stories to tell you like, okay, like, you know, let me not get wrapped around. Why am I letting these people determine what my mood is? Because if you if your mood and your state is in a particular kind of way, you won't take action. It's all those lower those lower level ones we're talking about. If you got fear, if you have um, you know hopelessness, if you have shame, if you have um, uh, you feel like demanding in the sense of like uh, any of these kind of forceful type things where you feel like you got to like kind of claw and like you got to go and grab things you are less likely to actually take action than you would uh, with other things like understanding, uh, with love, with, um, I'm trying to think of the other ones offhand. I can't, uh, even acceptance itself can make you take better action because when you go into there and, uh, and then you talk to somebody and you, you convey emotions, you might say a bunch of technical words, but you actually convey emotions. If you go in there with the force types things, they pick up on it. Like they, they don't, they don't maybe not conscious of it, but they actually physically pick up on it. it. It's like glue. It sticks on them. So in other words, to be really compelling, what changed that banker's mind was the fact that I had hundred percent confidence. Gotcha. That's why confidence is so important. Just, just have it like, well, you know, feel like you don't have, just have it. Okay. So in, 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 especially in the world that we live today, there's a lot of what, you know, labeling of what we call propaganda right we got narratives that are coming from the left narratives (laughs) coming from the right from you know from politicians from bankers from big tech you know so you have all of this propaganda conceptual ideas of what reality is right so how how Mm. do we 
discern based upon what you're saying, you know, this makes me feel this way or that makes me feel that way. How do we determine where it fits into our lives and or how do we reject it? What is the what is the key to rejecting, you know, a uh, a forcefulness of way of uh, thinking? Yeah, the I've heard of a couple different things. The first thing that came to my mind was asking the question, where do I physically see this? Gotcha. I mean, do you physically see it anywhere? You, what you're likely to see, especially in these kinds of messages in 2020, you're most likely to see it in other people. And it's not necessarily the things that they might be saying, but you're going to hear the same things that you've heard, that are part of those talking points. They're always talking points. I heard this term a long time ago, and boy, does it make sense. It's the thing that somebody wrote down somewhere they said it, and then the media and all these types, they just repeat it because they don't make anything. And then at that point, next thing you know, uh, Joe, Billy, and Bob are saying those exact same things. And if you if you spend any amount of time like doing debating and understanding, you it just it's great because it's convenient that you now know all that they know about it. Because if they say what they say, you now know they don't know nothing about it. Right. So, I. As, as hard as it can be, just let them have what they have. Right. They're just saying a bunch of words. You now should be prepared that it's like, well, why am I so surprised that uh, there's just another person that's saying the same crap that can't be confirmed, can't be validated, and it's just it's just completely ephemeral. So you got to take a step back, accept that, and then go after it. And usually... Uh, it goes back again. What emotional state is that person? When they tell you that stuff, it's usually a sticky bad thing, which is the bad part about politics. Is it's like almost always this. Even the positive messages have these underlying nasty messages. Yep. And my dad taught me something that's very powerful. Even even today with me, it's powerful. And I think a lot of people get at some point you get to this where you understand. And he said, "Don't ever believe anything you hear." And only 50% yeah. of what you see. And I think that kind of goes in line with what you're saying is show it, you know, it's like being from Missouri. Show me, right? Show it to me. Yeah, I was trying you know, to I was trying to think of that that statement of, you know, how much you hear. I was thinking of it in percentages, how much you believe when you hear and see and all that. It's true. Cause even I mean, thinking about the counter to uh, even my own experiences. Even your own experiences, you may not have grabbed everything on the table that you should have grabbed because right. you're not seeing it, especially depending on how you're going in there, especially earlier on. Probably a lot of lessons early on. You probably don't know what the lessons are. Right. So uh, yeah. so I would say the best way to handle this intelligence world or yeah. information coming back and forth is opening Pandora's box, absorbing yeah. stuff. You got to interact. Not, and not saying... Well, this person said that, this person said that. I mean, it might listen be. to it, but don't react to it. Do don't you, don't instigate it and don't, yeah. you know, just say propagate that, it. Propagate it, right? Instead absorb it, then filter through it and then create people the, are totally you know, completely unprepared for these info games. This is the shit I played oh, with yeah, back absolutely. And when when I was in when I was in intelligence, like <laughs> the 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 level of, you know, I I'm I'm human like everybody else. I have plenty of critiques, uh, and I've you know I will critique you know military intelligence, the 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 people that I've seen in there, uh, the way the big organizations work with them. However, the the methodology, at least the just the true methodology that they're supposed to be using, that they do use when they evaluate information that comes in, is so far beyond what most people do. It's so and and they did that for a reason. Because they know that the enemy will play psychological warfare games and information warfare games, and they've been doing it for long enough to be able to write a doctrine on it. Oh wow! I mean, think about this: that they, like you know, they they talk about like the Russians and the Chinese and all that. I, I I'm just not in that space, but I do hear it come across. Like I'm not a Russia or Chinese person. Like I don't know a lot about that sphere. That's not the sphere that I'm in, but. I will hear these different things. I'll just kind of shrug and go like, I don't know. You know, I'm not, 
I'm not in it, so I don't really know, but I'll just take it. And as part of it, it is, yeah, they, they play games. They play games for real. Like, you know, all sorts of stuff like, you know, um, like during World War II, the, um, was it the Germans before the invasion that they had, uh, they put like pop-up tanks and yeah. stuff? Yeah. Well, that, and we also did it on the European side where we, we tricked or deceived the Germans to think that we're getting ready to do, launch the attack. Right. In Calicale instead of in Normandy. Exactly. So that's when we stood up all the tanks and everything that yeah. were fake because, you know, then you kind of deceived them and threw them off. And, you know, we even put Patton in there as being in charge of the, you know, the... the oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He was and part of his diversion. Right. Think about this. You know, one of the greatest <laughs> tank generals on the planet, and all of a sudden he's leading a bunch of plastic tanks. You know, it's kind of interesting. Man, that would have been actually really great to... To ask him about that because he i mean the way he viewed himself he's like this is like you know i'm super general like exactly. i'm leading the war and they're like we'll let him lead his war exactly he's being played by the generals themselves but they so i i mentioned this because they still do this they do it like how far it goes like for me personally i have to like I have like a serious arm distance on this stuff because I'll I'll do just like everybody else. I'll go and read and be like, oh, this is crazy and fall down. This is why fake news has gotten so popular because people can kind of feel like I probably shouldn't trust what I'm hearing. And they'll tell all sorts of people, don't trust what you hear. And then they turn around to the thing so they can hear what they want to tell the next person. Right. Which is absurd. But it, it, that is what is actually happening. So I, I get it. I'm, hu- I'm human like everybody else. But that's why this stuff is so effective. They will tell stuff. The Art of War, which was written, what, like a thousand years ago, which I read. Another great book. It is so small of a read. Let me just say one sentence about that whole book. Surmise it is, uh, make the enemy believe that you're going to do something and do the opposite of that. Because you will put them where you want them and then you have them exactly where... You know, you'll have the advantage on them every time. Right. That's the whole book is that. Which is what the, quote, propaganda machines is doing. Yes. They're, they're, they're doing they, exactly what you should be doing. They're putting you in a place where they can control you and they can feed you instead of you putting yourself in the exact opposite situation where if it comes to you, then you go, oh, nope, I don't have to believe that because... I'm a, I understand sure. how the enemy operates. I understand how propaganda yeah. works and so forth. And it, it, it's so complicated because, you know, again, if I could show you like on paper showing this in logic, once you get to the position in which you don't know if the information that you're receiving is good information or counter information, it will take you down a wormhole because then at that point you're like, okay, what, what can I trust? And you start to see the similarities between that information, and all sorts of other information. And then you go like, okay, well, what can I believe? And that number starts to fall. It feels uncomfortable, but it's really healthy because what it is, is you ever heard of the term, like your sphere of influence and your sphere yeah. of concern. Yeah. The reality is, is everybody's sphere of concern is so huge compared to their sphere of influence where their sphere of influence can actually grow, but it's it's at the detriment to the sphere of concern. In fact, it may be possible that your sphere of concern may be, need to be smaller than your influence. Um, that's me kind of thinking about it, but your sphere of influence cannot increase if your sphere of concern is too big. And here, here's an example of, of kind of the pitfalls of going too far with this. Like, so I watched that North Korean parade that I was telling you about, and I'm watching this stuff and I've been looking on the sidelines of the North Korea story for the last, I don't know, 10 years now. And, you know, they're showing off their new long range missile systems. And the people who are watching it, they were um, like North Korean military experts. And they were kind of, they were talking about like, oh, this is this kind of tank. And they were doing kind of math on um, like the range of the vehicle and the, the things. And they knew like, all sorts of stuff about the rockets and all this. And when I'm looking at it, I immediately go, this is a, this is an organization that is well known about propaganda, hardcore crazy. And just the whole, the whole parade was like, this is the most amazing propaganda I've ever seen. I'm telling you, it looked like a star Wars. Like it was like, uh, Darth Vader was like leading, you know, a giant mass of, uh, 
you know, stormtroopers who have like the perfect uniforms on. You know, they got the red uniforms, the black uniforms, and the white uniforms. It's just all show. The whole purpose of it is to just incite a belief in the people. Now, what's interesting is, sure, there's probably people who believe that, but it's one of those like weird reverse reverse things. If you feel like you need to show those things, the people don't feel as though it's real. That's called force. That's not power. That's, that's force. force. Absolutely. That people can feel when there's force involved. And so so they do that. So going further down this rabbit hole, I can't trust even the vehicles that I'm seeing with my own eyes. They may very well be there. They you know, they're clearly like real vehicles, but do they have any capability? I don't know. How can I possibly know that? I'm seeing the video. It's reasonable enough for me to believe the, the video is real. Um, although you can definitely question, you can go way down that and, que and, and question those things, especially all sorts of stuff I've seen online. Um, like this is website out there. Does this, this person does not exist.com. It's terrible. Person does not exist.com. Yes. This person does not exist.com. Oh, wow. Correct. And what it is, is it's, uh, it's an AI engine that was built by NVIDIA that it basically ingested all these photos of people. Like they, they did a, a very intense job of um, getting like the right proportions. So they're not just random photos, but they're like, they're all portrait photos. And from that, they basically build people and they also have horses and all sorts of other kind of things. And they're basically, when, when you click it and then you can hit new, it will generate new people. You cannot tell that they're not real people. Full stop. Wow. So, now that you know this, <laughs> it means you cannot believe any photo online. Yeah. Especially a portrait photo. Like, once you know that this stuff exists, I don't know. You can go ahead and believe it if you want to. I won't believe it. I have, like, I have to, it, this is how insidious it goes. I have to train myself to continually not believe it, even though it's right there in front of my face. Right. Here's, here's the truth, though. I don't know that those aren't real people. Well, that's rabbit hole. <laughs> How do you know that those aren't real people? Just because they well, tell you? So they do, you know, this isn't, I don't know if it's a PSYOP campaign or something, but they do say this person does not exist. They show you the source code. How smart do you got to be to read that source code to know if whether or not it's doing it? Right. That's few people. That's few people. But they're doing this on every front. Audio, video, sound. Well, there's there's multiple ones that are have become famous where you have politicians that are talking, yeah, and then they kind of inject, yeah, you know, different phrases that come out from that person, and of course they deny they never said that, yep. you know, and again it it looks to us normal Joe Schmo on the street, you know, hey, did you hear what that person said? Blah blah blah. Next thing you know, it's you know it becomes gospel and some political world or whatever, you know. Uh, let me back up two seconds to talk about the intelligence process. Okay. At least from the standpoint, of, uh, I'll surmise it. There's all sorts of different stuff on it, but just a basic of things of like, like human intelligence. Somebody tells you, you receive a report and it says somebody, some sort of salacious report, uh, you know, uh, sticking with Afghanistan, you know, I'm totally not, you know, this is not real information. This is totally... I'm just making it up on the fly. It's similar. Uh, Hamid Karzai is uh, meeting with the Saudi prince and, or they met with the Saudi prince and they said that they were going to work with the Taliban to attack the U.S. So something very salacious, ridiculous. The first thing that uh, an intelligence professional is going to do is go look at the source bylines. And this is where all classification comes from, especially for the human world. Is that source? Who is the source of that information? And usually, I'd imagine anything Hamid Karzai would immediately go to, you know, top secret space. Like, because the sensitivity of that person, by anybody even knowing that somebody might be able to, knows about that meeting, they might be able to deduce who it is. So if that information got out there, that might kill the source. That's how all classification works, at least in that space. So they look at that. If this is the first time that this information has come out from this person, they will write a warning on there basically saying this is just single a single reported person 
We have no idea what the reason is for us telling this information, et cetera, et cetera. They write multiple, multiple statements. And the reason why they do that is because when you read it, you're not supposed to get triggered. You're supposed to go, maybe it's real, maybe it's not. And what it does is it directs the cycle of information like, okay, let's see if it's real. Let's, let's go try to get some information here or there. And then other information will come in. And then all of a sudden uh, you have, this is the most important one that I think people need to know this situation. You'll receive other reports start coming in and they're very similar to the first one. Uh, a person with good access or that probably has good access says that, you know, the Saudi prince met with Hamid Karzai, you know, the end. Uh, then something over there. What it starts to look like then as an analyst, uh, you might look at it and be like, wow, I've got five reports now that this meeting went down and this is what was said. And then that then can go to a commander and say like, hey, we need to take action on this. Like, you know, maybe we need to pass this up to State Department and then they're going to go engage on this specific topic or something like that. And what really happened was one dude went to multiple intelligence agencies and told them same or similar enough information that when somebody were to go connect the dots, they would believe that that report was real and it never happened. It's oh, called wow. circular reporting, and it happens all yeah. the time. In fact, when you understand, nobody should be looking at CNN, MSNBC, or any of these kind of media sources because there's an endless number of YouTube videos out there that show this, that uh, or local news where they'll they'll go like uh, look at the other media organizations and then just report on the crap that they report on. So when you go and you see it, like everybody's reporting on it. Okay, who really report? Who wrote that story? Who started that thing? You never get that information. And why I mention this in like the intelligence cycle, usually, especially the more uh, you know salacious it is, the more that they will go to the ends to find out: is this person is this person telling all this stuff? Is this person does this person even have access at all? They'll make the person prove it. They'll do wild stuff like have like little cameras and like take a picture of the dude. You got, you got to, you, you can, you have access to Hamid Karzai. Go with my camera, which I know it's my camera. Take a picture of Hamid Karzai. So they'll do all sorts of stuff like that because they know the, the importance of making those decisions with sound information because uh, you could cause some serious problems with that running on it. And yet, everybody accepts even less information from all their sources. Gotcha. They have nobody that's verifying any of this. So from a standpoint of a citizen in a local environment, you know, we're talking about your local government, your your mayors, your education boards and stuff like that. How can we be more involved in, in using the right information or gathering information so that we can better inject ourselves into decent conversations about what is real instead of like you're talking about bringing yeah, the, big, yeah, yeah. the big CNN package, you know. Where do we go? How do, how do we uh, voice our opinions about things that we think that are happening, you know, which is what we want to do at a local state level with our legislators and so forth? Uh, how do we go about that conversation? Well, especially you're talking about local people. I would set up an appointment with them and get an understanding of what they know, think or believe. Okay. They have way better access to this information than you do. Usually, but not always. Sometimes they're looking at the same sources you are. But they, on the off chance that they don't, they might have insider information. And they'll tell you because usually it's not, they, they're not going to tell you things they're not going to tell you. And they'll just say things. And I'm very surprised. I mean, I've sat with people like, you know, I've sat with warlords. And I've sat with politicians. They will just tell you stuff because that's what people do. Yep. You sit and you hang out and yeah, you get them chatting absolutely. long enough. You act interested in what this is like the biggest, most obvious thing. Uh, it's obvious once you realize it, act interested in what they're interested in. Yes. That's how, yes. that's how like real connection works with people. You're like, Oh, you're my best friend. Well, that came from the fact that you're like, Oh, what are you doing over there? You're interested in them and what they've got going on. And they might, they might clue you in and they might speed you up in one day. They go, yeah, we got that. We're working on this thing right now. We're blah, 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 blah. And then you might be like, can I help with that? And then you you get sucked right in. You had no, this goes back to the open Pandora's box. 
it could be just that, just taking any of those steps, like stepping into that arena. You could be sucked right into it, and you have in a week or two months' time, or uh, you have no idea that you were you were going to move in that space at that time. It's not until you it's not until you take action that you actually see it. Yep. So our, a lesson learned here is a, a great example. I watched a video of a lady going to a a community meeting, basically a town hall community meeting. And it was based upon the shutdown, the first shutdown where everybody had to wear masks and they stay home and all of that kind of stuff. And they had this meeting, community meeting, where everybody could show up. And this lady got the mic, regular citizen of the city, and she just went off on all the community leaders in this meeting and basically telling them, oh, you're going to get arrested because of, you know, all these violations and, you know, restricting our liberties, blah, blah, blah. Instantly, you could tell by looking at these community leaders, they instantly shut her off. They they did exactly what you should be doing. When people start talking uh-huh. that way, initially, you know, coming at you, attacking instead of listening yeah. and having a discussion, this is what happens. And this is all part of understanding and having, you know, uh, an ability to actually speak outside of your emotions and driving your emotions. This goes back to what are you trying to achieve? And in certain forums, it's not to say that there's a particular decorum, but you have to have you got to have some serious skill to do that kind of stuff in a public setting. And right. when you do the thing, when you act like a butt in a public setting, people will snatch that down. They oh, just yeah. they just they have like it's it's like they have no choice but to shut it down. Now, uh, and, you know, when somebody is coming at you, if it's one-on-one, it's a lot easier to do the finesse to do that. But when you're in a public setting, that's, that's, a, that's why people do it. That's why it, it is not the most effective way. It, it can be extremely effective to talk in a public open sphere, but you have to talk in a certain kind of way, and you got to be prepared for that. Talking in a private sphere, it can go all over the place, and it can be really effective. Okay. I believe I'm a big proponent that un- until you've uh, you got to work on those skills of, of public speaking and things like that and crafting a message and having a solid vision, you got to do those things. But in the meantime, one on one are highly effective. They're so effective. It's unbelievable. Right. Because it allows a person to just re- release like they can open up frustration and you can be the recipient of that. And you can help drive the conversation. Awesome. Yeah, that's exactly what we're, you know, talking about as it relates to our the podcast. You know, I'm a, a Patriot Cause is based around gathering information about this communist movement and things that are happening within our country and how it affects us. Yeah. But we can't we can't just one sit back and just absorb everything and you know and throw bricks at the TV. Right. At the same time, you can't jump out there and, you know, scream your head off. You got to have some kind of logical sequence to getting the message out and and talking to public sector, you know, representatives. And, you know, even if you have a discussion with the sheriff's office. Right. Sure. These people have an influence in your community. Yeah. Big time. And if you're if you're coming up there and, and screaming at the sheriff because you're not doing your job, you're not resting the criminals, you're, you know, you should be best friends with these guys. Right. You should just go, hey. Tell me, what, how can I help you become better sheriff in our community? What information? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can I help, you know, deliver to you that you can't see? Driving in a you know a sheriff's car. It's a, or it's a really great. Point. That's the relationship you got to create. You just brought up the nature of giving service first before asking. Exactly. Absolutely. And that's, which they might you know again no telling what'll happen. But usually people are a little shocked when you do that, and they oftentimes don't know what to say. But they might know. They might be able to tell you exactly what. Right. So on a final point, what advice do you can you give to the podcast listeners today to the people that are listening to the Patriot Cause? What, what is the steps that we take? How do we get our mindset? How do we determine, hey, I can make a difference. I can become part of my local environment and get injected into this discussion and be able to, to succeed at, you know, deriving a community of working together, service together and understanding because this communist movement that's coming in is the opposite. 
These are people that have this narrative and the agenda and they want to drive everything that, that happens. So how do we uh, counteract this, uh, the movement that's going on? I'll try to get, um, I'll say some kind of uh, generalizations, but they're actionable. Number one, clean up your own life. Gotcha. You got to start with yourself. Got to start with you yourself. You can't convince right? anybody if you're if you're not put together. Yep. Number two, you have to help clean up the people's lives that are physically around you, physically around right. you. If you have a spouse, you got to help them out with gotcha. all their kookiness. Yep. Gotcha. You've got to, you've got to gain, um, you've got to gain. Res- uh, I dare, I don't want to say respect, but you've got to gain connection with those people. And then you got to move on from there one step at a time. Because if you go, uh, for example, the sheriff, they don't want somebody that doesn't have their stuff together to start. They cannot hand that baton over to you if you don't have your stuff together. Right. So once you do that, you you will have increased capacity to take on the bigger roles that are out there. And if you you don't get yourself, yourself in order, you will not have the capacity. And if at one moment you try to go and get these things, you'll find that you cannot handle these problems. Right. That's a great statement. You know, bigger capacity, being able to to put together yourself to be able to go out there and uh, make a difference instead of, uh, you know, screaming at the top of your lungs from your balcony seat and, you know, in your city. I or- use pity. It's one of the one of the things that when I'm in, I'm, I'm sure there's a better way and a higher way to do it. But when I see people at like the death rolls of these things, I feel pity for them because they don't see that literally what they're saying is they're, 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 they're trying to choose point to the boogeyman and solving their own internal fortitude problems, which is the whole nature of why they're doing what they're saying in the first place. And they're letting themselves become a pawn in this, this grand scheme of stuff. I don't know what you know the big plan is or any of that kind of stuff. But uh, even if you believe in a particular direction, don't think that you're not being directed by the other side to get inflamed. Gotcha. And the moment you're inflamed, you're going to act stupid. And right. you're going to get shut down. Right. Because you don't have the capacity. You don't even have enough capacity to handle what, you were, what, what was told to you. So you, you have to work on yourself. And then you go and you start working on your community. Now, having said that, in parallel with it, you do have to go out there. You could you could stay at that spot forever. You have to also, in parallel, start to actually go and reach out. You got to do both. Awesome. Otherwise, you won't have that bone of the 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 giving bone. You got to you got to do it, even if it's small, it's small steps. Well, I'll, personally, I want to thank you very much for coming on the podcast, Michael. It's, oh, my pleasure. Uh, you know the the knowledge that you have, the experience you have, and I said this before to many people on my podcast. You can't just listen to a certain age group. You know, you gotta you gotta mix it up. You gotta have information from different levels. My son's, you know, a lot younger than I am as it relates to his view. You know, we 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 kind of connect together with different things, but we also have different different views based upon how you know our environment that we grew up in. But the thing about it is, is what we don't do is we don't shut each other off. We allow each other to to have that discussion. I think that's important. And this is something that I hope that you get from this podcast, yep. that you're able to absorb how to have these discussions. Again, cleaning yourself up first and, and actually being able to stand in front of somebody without going off in left field and, and not having the knowledge that you need. So, again, thank you very much for coming on the podcast and I appreciate My it. My pleasure. And, Hopefully we'll uh, see you again. All right. Thank you. Awesome. What a great pleasure it was to have my son on the podcast today. He's the very first guest of the podcast, and there are going to be many more coming down the pipe. Great patriots of the world. Great, great Americans. I'm proud, very proud to be the father of Michael Cornwell, the guy you just heard. Uh, Straight shooter. He's going to give us a lot of good knowledge as we progress in this world. And he's got a great family with three daughters and beautiful wife in America. That's what it's all about being in America, but we have to fight. We have to stop the communism 
in this country. We have to get back to the basics of freedom, control this government, and fight to our last breath. And the only way that you can do that is you got to stand up, you got to show up, and for God's sakes, you got to speak up. Thank you very much. Share the podcast far and wide. This is the Gunny out.